Welcome back to episode two of the Down and Distance podcast. Brandon Ross, Tara Lynch. We recapped the NFL draft last week, gave you all our thoughts, and now once we have the new players in the league, we get to know who they play. The NFL schedule was released last week, and Tara, I have to ask you, they did a three-hour schedule special. Did you watch it? You know, I did not watch it. Um, last week, I, you know, my, my family and I, we tend to hunker down and, and agree on certain shows. So we were watching those. Uh, but yeah, that I, I think that was that was a lot uh, to do a three hour schedule show. But, um, we, you know, we don't have sports right now. So we got to we got to talk about the things that we can. And, you know, the NFL schedule is one of the big, big talking points right now. Uh, so I definitely understand it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, there's some interesting things that have happened. So I'm, in, I'm excited to get started talking about it today. Uh, before we do that, I, I do have to say, I didn't watch it. I miss sports. I don't know if I miss sports that much that I can spend three hours obsessing over the NFL schedule, That is a lot. but what have you been, what have you been watching? What have you and your family been watching to get through this? Well, I think a couple of things, um, so we're we're Buffalo fans, so they played some of the classic Buffalo Sabres games. So in terms of sports, we would pop those on a couple of times. As Bills fans, uh, nobody's really playing any of our games in the last 20 years. <laughs> um, but maybe maybe they will. They did play the playoff game, um, I think, on ESPN uh, from this year with the Texans. Obviously didn't watch that. That was a bit of a heartbreaker for us. But um you know, I think just finding other shows, I recently watched uh, Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu um, and actually interviewed the executive producer on another show that I do. So um, Ithaca College grad, and I'm an Ithaca College student, so it was great to connect with her, and watching The West Wing on Netflix. So those are my two recommendations if you're looking to stream something non-sports related. I will retweet that recommendation of The West Wing. Highly recommend. I've already watched it in full all the way through, and I've Introduced one of my friends to the show. Shout out Cooper Boardman. Uh, we've been Netflix partying our way through that show as I uh, guide him through the whole process. And uh, on top of that, a new show that I recently started that I definitely recommend is Money Heist. It's a Spanish show, so you either have to be okay with dubbing or subtitles. I'm personally a subtitles person. I cannot stand seeing the lips move and different words coming out of their mouth, but... It's a great show, awesome action, definitely recommend that going forward. All right, enough with our Netflix obsessions, let's get to the we NFL schedule. We need a different schedule. podcast for that one, Netflix, we can, we can, we can go through the streaming shows. <laughs> we, 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 can, we can figure our way out around that. So uh, let, let's get to this schedule real quick, and I think the first thing that needs to be addressed is the contingency plans built in this schedule, because obviously with the coronavirus, there's no guarantee that despite the NFL projecting this as if, oh, everything's going to be fine, it'll happen as planned, we can't think that way. And neither are they. They're going to listen to the health officials. They'll do everything they need to do. So to get around it, there are a couple of things they've done, which I think are pretty interesting. One, I think, totally makes sense. One, I'm a little bit more skeptical about. The first one is in weeks three and four of the regular season, there are no division games. So if there are any games that have to get canceled, you would think the non-division games are the least essential, and 
I, I'm personally on board with that. I think no one wants any games to get canceled. Maybe tack them on to the end of the year if you can, but generally speaking, I'm on board with that philosophy. Me too. I think that, you know, the only re- the only thing that you risk there is the those common opponent tiebreakers. Um, and I, you know, I can't go off and, and know everything about all 32 teams that are, you know, playing on those two weeks, but that's really the only thing. But obviously those divisional games are the most important. Those are the first thing that obviously get teams into the playoffs or eliminate them. And then you go to those tiebreaker scenarios. Um, so I think that's a strong way, you know, to kind of work it out and try to schedule it. Um, obviously, you know, the week two scenario, which I'm sure we're going to talk about next, um, have playing a team that has the same bye week as you. I think that's a really smart idea. Um, it would really stink if that ended up being the bye week, week two, and you, you know, had to play straight through or maybe extending the season and going later, you know, maybe into March or something. I don't know. Um, or just later in February, but, you know, I think that it's important that there, we're at least thinking ahead here in terms of what's going to happen, um, and I think planning and trying to have those contingency operations is going to be effective for the NFL. It would really suck if week three got canceled, because we'll get to our top games of the year in just a minute, but week three has got a big one. Uh, stay tuned for that. But when in regards to week two with the bye week scenario, I get it. I don't know if I like it. If I'm a player, I'd be pretty concerned about the injury risk of playing so many back to back to back to back to back weeks without a break. And it's not like that week is built that deep in. I believe it's week nine that they all share as a bye week. So that's a lot of games you're going to string together and to avoid getting a mass contagion, you up your risk of injury. Like, I, I guess that's better. It is. And maybe, you know, depending on if and when this NFL season starts, if it starts on time and everything's fine, then we don't need the contingency plan. And, you know, we're talking about nothing right now (laughs) that we don't really know that we're doing. Um, But I think, you know, it would really stink if we had to push it back or cancel games, but it's at least a way to say, okay, we can move this game and it won't affect anyone. We won't have to redo the whole back half of the schedule or something. Um, and maybe if, you know, the NFL, if we get closer, they might say, you know, second contingency plan, we'll put in a bye week here and, you know, something along those lines. I mean, it's, it's I think, a difficult decision all the way around. It's hard to you know, look into your glass ball and predict the, predict the future. Um, and I don't think that we can really do that in any arena right now, uh, sports included. So just trying to have some of those ideas out there, I think is helpful to help, you know, the coaching staff, the front office staff, the players have some sort of tangible thing to think about right now in terms of COVID-19 and how the NFL season might happen. Um, you know, obviously we've got to get a little bit closer to, to really see, to see what's going to happen. Yeah, we, we don't know. And that's an important thing to consider. And we'll obviously see how this evolves. Things might be radically different for the better or for the worse. And we'll just have to wait and see how that comes about. All right, now let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get to the games. Big game of the year. I don't think there's a question about this. 
Week three, Monday Night Football, Chiefs and Ravens. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, that is electricity waiting to happen. It really is. And also in week three, I'm just looking at the schedule right now, Green Bay at New Orleans. That's on Sunday Night Football. So you have two night games back-to-back with some electric quarterbacks, some electric offenses, some defenses that are top in the league, um, at least as of last year, and that's what we're predicting for, you know, this year as well. So there's there's a lot that week. <laughs> they have packed week three, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, and your Bills get to host the Rams, and my Giants get to host the 49ers, so we don't have cakewalks during that week, but the rest of the game should be pretty entertaining regardless. Uh, but that Chiefs-Ravens game is definitely one to watch out for. Uh Something with these primetime games that I definitely need to address and a little concerning. So if you're following the coronavirus news around the country, the states that are the hardest hit are Washington State, because Seattle was basically ground zero for this entire outbreak, or at least it was the first place that reported mass cases, mass spread. And to their credit, they handled it very well. California is another. And then, of course, the New York metro area. But let's stick to California and Seattle right now, because... Particularly Northern California. Oh, of course, of course. And in the first five weeks of the regular season... Well, check that. No, in the first six weeks of the regular season, there is a primetime game in either California or Seattle five of those weeks. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Everything could go off without a hitch. But if things don't go off without a hitch, you're immediately tossing a lot of prime, primetime games into the chunk pile. And if teams have to get relocated, that's a lot of logistics you have to work around. Because there's a decent chance that some of the teams, particularly teams like Seattle or San Francisco or not necessarily the Giants or Jets, but because despite them being... New York, they're not actually in New York, they're in northern New Jersey, so they're with a little bit of a disconnect from the city. But particularly with those teams, I find it rather concerning that they decide to put those marquee primetime games, Sunday night or Monday night, in those high-risk areas. I think that one of the things we do need to consider is that the Seahawks and the 49ers had incredible seasons last year. Um, The Seahawks arguably maybe could have gone farther in the playoffs. Um, The defense was a question mark. There were other question marks on that Seahawks team. But they're a team this year that people are already looking at and talking about. Obviously, San Francisco, Super Bowl runner-up, still going to be dominant. You still have Jimmy G. You know, you're, you're getting more assets in San Francisco. So I definitely understand from the fan perspective, why you want the games in those cities or with those teams. In no, terms I of COVID, that. yeah, I mean, we don't really know what's, I, I mean, who knows? The NFL could come out with some sort of plan and, you know, some way to safely travel and hotels. I don't know. I didn't, they, they could do anything. I mean, we've heard so much about the NBA moving to, you know, Disney World or something, or the MLB moving to Florida or Arizona. So 
Not saying that they're going to put all the NFL in one state. I don't think that's going to be possible. But no. But some sort of planned travel, like I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. But it maybe it, maybe they have some sort of cleanliness plan that they're going to roll out. I mean, look, they figured it out before. They had to deal with rearranging the schedule after nine eleven. They had to deal with the Saints being unable to play in New Orleans because of Katrina. They figured that out in the past. So I'm sure they have some contingency plan in place, aside from what people can publicly figure out. We'll see how that all plays out. Definitely. And there are especially, there, the mean- there are areas, one more thing, there are areas in the country that are reopening right now. They have le- extremely less cases. I mean, you think about teams like Minnesota or um, Green Bay. There, the, those two states, Wisconsin and Minnesota, have they haven't had as many cases. So those are areas, you know, they can probably be all right to start the season. You talk about, you know, New York, you know, California. The, you have three teams in California. Then you also have Vegas, which is kind of close. Seattle, that's kind of where things get a little different, I think. So it might be maybe as you said relocating a couple teams moving them to who knows where i don't know but there are teams that i think will be fine there are other teams that we don't really know yeah and look obviously fans are in some cases considered in some cases not in regards to this whole crisis regardless of whether there will be fans to start the season there are some teams that have some Pretty easy schedules and some teams that are going to have a pretty rough go at it. So let's start on the tougher end. What team do you think has the roughest road to tread this season? Well, I think I'm just going to go with Buffalo. I mean, compared to last year, and and this is strictly as a Buffalo fan, I obviously have watched, watched every game last season. When you go from playing, and no offense, I know you're a Giants fan, but when you go from playing the NFC East, having to play the NFC West, um, that's A, a lot of travel. B, the teams are really tough. C, you have the Super Bowl runner-up. And, oh, by the way, you have to play Kansas City. Then you also have to play the Patriots twice, which is a big question mark because while they don't have Tom Brady, they don't have Rob Gronkowski, Danny Amendola is long gone, um, they still have that defense and they still have Bill Belichick. So you really don't know what's going to happen there. Um, in my opinion, at all. Then you also, I'm just skimming through, you got to play the Titans in Tennessee. That always, you know, ends up kind of being a toss-up, um, especially when the Titans beat Baltimore in the playoffs. Um, hosting the Steelers on Sunday night, uh, a rematch of last year's Sunday night game that pushed the Bills into the playoffs. Um, it's a tough schedule. Uh, it's it's difficult. I don't know if it's the toughest road, but it's one of, and you have to play both LA teams. So it's a lot of travel, and you have to face the NFC West and the Patriots again, which who knows what they're going to do. I don't. <laughs> I'd love to know. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't like that you slighted the NFC East, but I don't blame you for doing it. You guys are going to have to go through a gauntlet over there in Buffalo. I mean, Chiefs, Patriots. Rams, Seahawks, San Fran, <laughs> Denver. Like I, I, yeah. I do not envy Buffalo at all for the gauntlet they have to go through. 
Buffalo's probably, in retrospect, the second toughest schedule that I see. The toughest schedule that I see has to go to Miami because consider the fact that they are coming off a wretched season with very few pieces to work around. They have to play a very similar gauntlet of games and they don't even know how much they're going to use their first round pick to a tug of Iowa. He might be good to go for most of the year. He might not play a single snap. And if the latter becomes true, then you have a real problem because similar to the Bills, they have to play the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Rams, the Chiefs. It is not an enviable situation. It's basically the same gauntlet of opponents, but playing even further on their heels than the Bills are. And the Jets have to go through the same thing, and they're not in great shape either, but at least they have a franchise quarterback that they can build around. Sam Darnold, as much as I like to throw shade at the other New York team, Sam Darnold's pretty good, and he's growing. He grew a lot from year one to year two. I'm expecting more progress in year three. Miami's starting from ground zero come next season. And to face that ringer in 2020 is going to be a brutal time. I think Miami does have a rough go. And I think when you look at the quarterback room, obviously you have Tua, you drafted him. You have Josh Rosen, who you traded for uh, or got from Arizona. You also have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is inconsistent. And he's played on every AFC East team except for New England. Um, so if that's an advantage, I don't know, but, um, you know, he, but he is inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on. And when you have that tough of a schedule and you don't have, you know, that consistent veteran that could really start you off and get you going, I don't know, you're in a difficult spot. And then to finish off the quarterback room, you have, uh, Jake Rudock. So, I don't know. I, I think Miami is in a tough spot. I will also say I think San Francisco's, you know, doesn't have a cakewalk. They still have to get through some tough teams, particularly in their own division. Um, you also have to play New England. You have to play Buffalo. Green Bay is on that schedule. New Orleans is on that schedule. Um, and you, they are playing uh, the NFC East, it looks like, some of the teams there. So Washington is obviously going to be easier. Philadelphia, presumably they win that game. Um, but, you know, you do have to go through teams in your own division. And that division, as we've already established, is pretty pretty strong. Uh, plus the unknown of New England, which can never be good. And it's at New England, too. So on my birthday, fun fact. Oh, well, that should be a fun birthday present for you to observe there. Uh, but <laughs> The Bills like, are look, playing. I'll be watching that. <laughs> fair enough. But, I mean, I get it. San Francisco is going to have a rough road to get back to where they were last season. But at the same time, you have to consider the fact that they're starting from a pretty good vantage point. Very true. Same thing with the Patriots. Even though they lose Tom Brady, they're going to have that question at quarterback. But regardless of that, they still have pieces there to work with. Very true. 100%. The Jets have pieces to work with. And in my mind, Miami has to go through the toughest, bru most brutal road available all the while they're starting from scratch. And in my mind, that makes their schedule the toughest. And on the flip side, 
<laughs> I think there's no contender for the easiest schedule in the NFL. I don't think they're like, look, there are some teams that have some pretty easy schedules. There are a lot of teams that are going to have some cushy roads, but I think relative to to skill. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone's contending with Baltimore for easiest schedule here. I don't know. I feel like Baltimore doesn't. I feel like they have an easier schedule here. I don't know. I could be wrong. Could be totally off. But you start with Cleveland, who isn't going to be the Cleveland that we knew from a few years ago. But we still it's 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 an eclectic group of talent in Cleveland. So we have to see what happens, right? Then you go to Houston, Kansas City, as we've uh, we've talked about on ESPN Monday Night Football, Washington, which Washington, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. We don't know what's going to happen there. Philly, Pittsburgh, by Indy, New England, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, New York, Giants, Cincinnati. So it could be the easiest, but there's a lot of unknowns there. I will say I think that personally that is an easier schedule of what we have seen, what we've what we've talked about so far. You may disagree. I do. I very much do because, listen, Giants, big blue till I die. But playing the NFC East is the biggest gift that any team can ask for. And they get the gift, the absolute gift of playing against the NFC East in non-division games. To be fair, not a lot of them are early. They have to play the Chiefs before they have to play any NFC East teams. But also, right before that, you get to play the Texans, who just traded away DeAndre Hopkins for chump change. And then, Redskins week four. And you get to play the Eagles a couple weeks after that. And then you get to wrap up the regular season with the Cowboys and the Giants in the last few weeks. And by the way, you get to play the Browns and the Bengals in that last stretch, too. Again, the Browns could come out way better than we expect them to, and that can make a very interesting wrinkle for them there. But regardless of that fact... Baltimore has proven themselves to be among that upper echelon of teams in the league. And this schedule relative to their ability is an absolute joke. That's exactly what I was saying before is I think that it's one of the easiest schedules. And when you compare it to what we talked about with San Francisco, who is at the same caliber as a Baltimore, I mean, I don't even, I get there's a formula and all of that. Um, So it's not just, you know, people picking out of a hat here, but it is, considerably easier and that can also be division you know as we've talked about the nfc west is tough with three strong teams two that were in the playoffs last year and then arizona who was still finding their footing might find their footing this year we don't know we got to see new weapons there as we just established deandre hopkins but you know i don't know i, I don't know if that's why it's tougher. That's why we're seeing it that way because Baltimore has to go through Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and the Bengals, who they should be able to beat. Maybe not Ben Roethlisberger twice, but you should be able to win most of those games. I don't know. I don't know if that's why we're seeing it that way. And the NFC yeah. East, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think it's because 
within their own division and with all the non-division games, they are playing almost entirely teams that they are well capable of beating. So in my mind, Baltimore takes the edge for easiest schedule. And we've kind of already previewed our games of the year in terms of Chiefs, Ravens. What's your sleeper game in terms of games that you see on the schedule that you're like, ooh, that could be interesting. That doesn't necessarily catch the eye too much when you give it first glance. That's an interesting question. I'd have to maybe bring up, uh, we were talking about this before, week 12, you have Kansas City at Tampa. Now, last year, that would not have been an interesting game. <laughs> no, <laughs> Frankly, people probably would not have cared that much. But when you have Patrick Mahomes visiting the new home of uh, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, I think that's a game to watch. Um, Got to look out for that one because it just it's a rematch of AFC championship games that we've seen in years past. It's another rematch of, you know, other playoff games, uh, you know, in, in more recent years. But it's just it's always, I think, the, this budding rivalry since Mahomes came into the league and was a young star and, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, retired. So we needed that new kind of quarterback rivalry in the AFC. And I think that's kind of what that turned into. Interesting. That's definitely an interesting late season game to keep an eye out for. Gotta love seeing Tom Brady coming in with a new team, Rob Gronkowski out of retirement, taking on the defending Super Bowl champs. In my mind, the easiest sleeper game comes all the way at the beginning in week one, and not necessarily because of the teams that are playing, but because of the matchup it presents. Chargers at Bengals. You get two of the quarterbacks picked in the top 10, squaring off against each other. Joe Burrow starts on home turf, and Justin Herbert starts on the road. A lot of people, before the last month or so heading into the draft, we're not as high on Justin Herbert because he did not necessarily wow people in his final year, his senior year at Oregon. If he went last year, he probably could have gone in the top three. Scratch that. He would have gone in the top three. He would have been the best quarterback in last year's draft in terms of scout evaluation. But he took a little bit of a ding and Joe Burrow with arguably the best single season a college quarterback has ever had. In the history of college football. Out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> he works his way up to the number one overall pick from starting the season as being rated a sixth rounder by Mel Kuyper. And that could be an interesting test. And if Joe Burrow shows up and puts the pounding on, he makes a statement for how he grew and what he's capable of continuing at the NFL level. And... If Justin Herbert pulls out that win, he gets to basically flip a bird to all the haters who thought that he didn't quite have it after a not-so-simple year in the Pac-12 last season. And I think another important thing to note about this game, Cincinnati, obviously they are starting, they are hosting this matchup. That's Joe, Joe Burrow is home. Joe Burrow is from Southeast Ohio. He is home-home. So that is a huge test for him. How are you going to handle that pressure? Your first NFL game, you know, for real. Obviously, we have the preseason, hopefully. But 
you are at home, you are representing your home area, the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL, and, you know, oh, by the way, you started your career at Ohio State. So there were already maybe some some Ohio State haters out there who weren't your biggest fan. Then you go to LSU, you have the season of your life, go number one overall to your hometown team. I think that adds a little bit of pressure. So it will be a huge test for him. Obviously, the Chargers may be going in that game a little a little bit as the underdog because of Joe Burrow and all of the hype around him. So a big test for Herbert as well to see, you know, if if he can live up to what he was. Definitely a big thing to watch for that individual QB matchup there coming right at the tip of the regular season. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Down in Distance. Tara, any final thoughts? I'd just like to say I'm excited, hopefully, to get back to football. It gets me excited to talk about it here and... Uh, I hope everyone is staying safe at home. And if you have any topics that you'd like us to talk about, feel free to drop them in the comments section or on our Twitter. That's at down underscore N underscore distance on Twitter. If you want to give us a shout there, give us some cues to answer on the next edition of the pod. But in the meantime, for Tara Lynch, I'm Brandon Ross. We'll see you next week.